haircuts we all need them sometimes they can be a bit of a chore sometimes it feels like you're on a bit of a conveyor belt and the person at the end of the haircut puts that mirror up and you kind of look at them like oh god but we go along with it because we're british right we all know what that's like so dom at Babylon Barbers, you'll feel right at home with a relaxed vibe and a professional experience all round. With both veteran and SENS discount, Dom has time for absolutely everyone, as everyone deserves that fresh haircut feeling. Supporting the local community is a huge part of the job, so go see Dom and get more than just a haircut. I use Dom myself, I couldn't be happy with the results. He'll trim your beard, he'll trim your eyebrows, all that stuff. Right, back to the show. And welcome to Absolute Bedlam Podcast. Hope everyone's good. I'm currently in the MRU, which is the mobile recording unit, which is also known to some people as a say at Leon. So I'm out and about tonight doing an audio <laughs> episode with Mr. Jeff Kinch. How's it going, Jeff? Are you well? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm a bit rushed, as you can probably tell. Um, you messaged at, me at Leon as well. You messaged me early whilst I was eating KFC. Um, I think oh, okay. I, so. Basically, I've got a week off this week, and right. I've always struggled with turning off. I've always struggled with actually like relaxing properly. Right. And um, I went in my bedroom earlier, and I kind of just went into like full relaxation mode. And I think I actually fell asleep whilst watching YouTube. And you know when you get that insane panic when you wake up of like, where the fuck am I? What's the fucking time? Yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. yeah. Especially this yeah. time of year because you think it's morning, don't you? Think, oh my god, exactly. I've just I just slept for fifty hours, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, it was only twenty minutes, but I was like, oh, oh my god, you know, the Power panic man. monster came along. But all is well. We're chatting, and um, how's your day been? You all right? Yeah, it's it's okay. I've actually um, I've been doing some work down. Um, down on the beach today so it's actually been even though i've been digging um it's actually been quite a nice view so i can't really grumble yeah the weather today has been fantastic i woke up this morning at about 9 a.m and i just went straight out for a jog i thought this is perfect weather for that this has been consistent all day in weymouth so yeah we um about about six o'clock this morning it was absolutely chucking it down here but and then i checked the Check the weather app, and it said, um, "No, no, the sun's coming out." And sure enough, it did. So, fair play to them; they weren't lying this time. <laughs> got, some work, got some work done. So, there we go. <clears throat> Reliable weather app. There we mm. go. Awesome. Right. So, Jeff, first things first, as we've just discussed, how was school life for you? Uh, in general, um, I didn't really like school. I liked, obviously, I had my friends at school but I found it very very stressful and and when I was little I actually found school terrifying and uh um you know like I said I had my mates and everything like that but um I really I have a lot of trouble um retaining information so like revision and stuff like that was really really difficult for me and he's and and extremely stressful so yeah it was kind of you know uh, yeah, yeah, I had to do it, but I wouldn't say it was the most fun. People go, "Oh, it's the best days of your life," and I'm, mm. I'm like, "Nah, don't think so, mate. Sorry, not me." Yeah, yeah. I think it's the best days of your life if you genuinely don't know what you're doing, and you might not be a leader, and you kind of just follow the trend and the clicks. Whereas if you actually, you know, struggle, like you say, um, 
retaining information or you you want to break out of that then a lot of people jump at the chance of like going to college and getting yeah. out of school as soon as possible and getting straight into work yeah i i, I think i think that you know you're saying about clicks and stuff like that they were obviously like the cool kids so they were, and i wasn't one of them and then you had the uh, the kids to sort of like that everybody forgot about and they weren't and I wasn't really, really at the bottom of that, but I was kind of somewhere in the middle. So it was that kind of I don't know, just sort of like somewhere in the middle. It was kind of like some people like me, some people didn't, and um I kind of I've was a I've always been a bit of a chameleon and then I suppose the whole entertainment thing even from a little from a young age is sort of making people trying to make people laugh or do stuff just to uh fit in kind of thing you know when i was younger and um and of course back in the um in the late 70s early 80s you kind of did did stuff like that to stop yourself from getting beaten up as well <laughs> so it was a bit rough a bit rough in the schools back in those days so you just kind of like it was yeah. like a, a self um self-preservation mechanism yeah i get that cool so if you don't mind, what's the naughtiest thing that you did at school that you can remember? Oh God! Um, right, I, do you know what? I've got a funny. I've got very few memories of when I was really, really tiny. But I remember. I think it might have even been infant school. There was me and a few other lads, and there was these. Um, st- it was stickers that had to stickers of coins. So I think when their kids are learning numeracy at school, they had these coins. So like, you know, 10 pence pieces, 50 pence pieces. And they were yeah. the stickers that went onto cardboard, which then made these coins. Anyway, we we were fishing about with, I think the teacher was telling a story or something like that. And the rest of us were sort of like, you know, bored. And we were fishing around in this box and we found these stickers and we stuck them all over these books. And I remember being in real deep trouble for that. Um, yeah. the three of us got into a lot of bother and I think our parents got told about it. So, um, but other than that, at school, I think probably the only trouble I ever got into was a couple of fights, um, and that was it. Really, I don't think I kind of, I don't think I, I don't think there was anything. I don't think it was anything outlandish. Just the usual stuff, like yeah. getting caught up in fights and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Did your fight actually go ahead? <laughs> well, there's a funny, there's a funny story because. Um, you know, uh, you know, because at, at, at any school, every school, um, yeah. you'd the, the fight would sort of like uh, somebody would try and start a fight, and then next thing you know, there's about eight hundred people all crowding yeah. around going fight, fight, fight. So you yeah. kind of had you kind of had to do it then. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. And if, this guy that wanted to start a fight with me, I didn't really want to fight him, mm. um, but he was like really, 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 really angry, and so. Every time he lunged at me, I kept tripping him up and he kept falling over. And of course, it made him look sillier. I was just didn't want to throw a punch at him. But um, yeah. people thought I was doing it just to make him look like a fool. So they're all laughing their heads off and he's getting more and more angry. Yeah. And I just kind of managed to keep him off me until the teacher turned up and then he sent us to the headmaster. We're going to get caned. And on the way to the headmaster, I just said to him, no, no we don't want to get caned so let's just make it just say we had a disagreement it all got blown out of proportion and so we kind of cut a deal on the way to the headmaster's office and we got out <laughs> of being caned so um so yeah i was i was a mediator even in those days yeah yeah well there we go it worked so yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. so the reason i wanted to talk to you tonight is your extensive music career so absolute bedlam primarily is a music slash 
artist outlet for people to have a bit of a chat. Um, so your first ever band was a band called Seizure. Is that correct? That was my first, that was my first serious band, serious okay. as in, as in like the first band that I ever, um, uh, recorded and got onto, you know, CDs and, um, compilations yeah. and then got a record deal with, but I have my first serious serious band were uh, my first serious band that we actually sort of started doing gigs um, around sort of southampton and the um uh, the other uh, around surrounding areas of the band called Whitechapel, way before the other band Whitechapel. yeah uh which was sort of like uh middle of the road heavy rock metal uh and then after that there was a band called burial garden which uh which we um which we started moving out of town and gigging in other places but seizure was the first band that i toured with yeah so how did seizure form was it a case of finding people from surrounding areas that you knew were good or was it just people that were kind of around you and you thought well they might be able to play bass they might be able to play drums and it might have been people that you met from school uh well the before before seizure there's a band called barrel garden and the drummer from Barrel Garden was a guy called Pete, is a guy, should I say, his guy called Pete Broomfield. And the bass player was Lee Hutchinson, who's now in, um, I think he's going to be in the new band with the guys from Snub and In the Hills and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, so there was so there was Lee and there was Pete. And an old friend of mine called uh, Ian Yabsley, or just Yabs for short, and he was in another, I can't remember the name, this band it might have been Mr. Fusion or something like that. And he... Um, and they they came around to see me because the bad because because Barrel Garden split up and I wasn't doing anything. They came around to see me um, at my flat, and we sort of talked about possibly doing doing a band. And I sort of said, "Well, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do the vocals." And they said, "Well, yeah, Yabs will do the vocals." And so, yeah. and at that time, it was sort of music was moving away from like solos and stuff. There was a lot of Biohazard and. Or the sort of hardcore metal scene was sort of breaking through, so I said, "Well, let's try and do that sort of groove metal thing type type uh, type thing," which is what we did. So we ended up rehearsing that, and um, and then became a band. Went through loads and loads of different names, yeah. um, and um, settled on settled on Seizure eventually. Nice. And so yeah, sorry to answer your question. It was sort of like people that I actually knew. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So, have you always played guitar? Uh, yeah, yeah, primarily guitar, primarily, uh, and also um, rhythm guitar as well. Um, not so much lead. I know a few little tricks, but I'm not sort of um, as much as I'd love to. I just, I've just yeah. never had it in me. And, and to be honest, if I'd have, if I'd have um, wanted to, I would have done it. But I, <laughs> I kind of, I'm more of a writer. I do the writing and yeah. the lyrics and the write the music and um, play mm. rhythm guitar, uh, mainly rhythm guitar. But I also play bass and um and a few other little instruments as well so you try to lay the foundation of the song rather than adding loads of twiddly bits over the top of it yeah sort of firm believer in that sort of um yeah uh you know the hetfield type thing or um uh mr young from acdc and all that sort of thing laying down a really good rhythm there's so many there's so many great guitarists out there that don't play very good rhythm guitar um, yeah. an amazing amazing lead guitarist but kind of like rhythm guitar is almost like an afterthought when it's actually I think it's like really really important yeah definitely can you remember the first guitar that you ever got 
the very first guitar I bought and was with my very first amplifier for about 25 quid was this really crappy, uh, I think it was a handmade guitar from a mate of mine whose brother was getting rid of it. And it was this tiny little Watkins 10 watt amp and this, I think it was like a handmade guitar. Uh, and that lasted me. And, and, and it was that bad. It was, it, and it was an event when I had like <laughs> six strings on it. It was like, woo, got a whole set of strings. Yeah. Uh, so that was back when I was really, I think I was about 14, 15 then. Yeah. And then the first proper guitar I got was from down John Boots Music, which was down in Hythe, where I live. And that was a Strat, uh, Fender Stratocaster copy, um, which I think most people sort of tend to start with. Yeah, I think that's about, about quid. So that's that, yeah, yeah, that's how I started. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think my first guitar was a blue Strat copy. And um, it didn't really survive the test of time. I think the um, this happens quite a lot with my instruments, thinking about it. It happened with my first ever bass as well. The um, bit where you put the guitar cable in. Yeah. Um, had kind of fallen out of the um, the body of the guitar, so the cavity was exposed. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And I'm not very heavy-handed with my instruments. I, I try to think of them as children. But um, they're actually better than children because they don't answer back. Um, and that's coming from someone that's about to have a nine-year-old who I put in the bath a couple of weekends ago, Jeff, and he asked me 54 times if he could have a bacon roll. So uh, I prefer oh, my in the bath. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, whilst in the bath, he just wouldn't shut up. So, yeah, shout out to Casper. When he's taking down for breakfast, does he say, can I have a bath, please? Can I, have I know, a bath, yeah. Can I have a bath, please? It's quite profound. I was like, is this real or am I dreaming? But yeah, there we go. So yeah, bass kind of just does as it's told guitar kind of just does as it's told yes because i remember um, you being a bass i remember you primarily um being a bass player yeah but that's yeah, because obviously that's when i first got when i first kind of um i don't yeah. know when we first kind of fell into each other's orbits yeah yeah it's probably during fisher riddles um ah, that was it something to do with Hamune, maybe i don't know yeah it would have been fisher well both of those because i remember yeah, I remember getting to know you, um, Fisher Riddles and Humane about the same time. So it might be mm. the Firehouse, might it, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm. Planning to go it. to the Firehouse again, actually, as um, my favourite band uh, playing in December, In Me. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I remember them. Being supported by a band called Raging Speedhorn, I think they're called. Raging Speedhorn supported us uh, yeah. on one on one of our tours. We on one day we went down to uh, I think it was the last day of one of the tours, and that was at the uh, where was that in London, uh, Finsbury Park, and um, and the, yeah, they were they were they were there. They're really good, really good. It's kind of like mm-hmm. um, a monkey, just pretty pretty sort of feral, you know, good band. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That would be cool. Mm. But yeah, I've been playing bass off and on for about 12 to 13 years now. Um, I've recently learned a ton of 21 Pilots on bass because it's actually quite simple to play. Um, but I'm not at the level that I was at with Fisher Riddles where it was basically Wizzy, the songwriter, would write the music and the riffs and the lyrics. And I would just try my best to sort of keep up with his insane BPMs. <laughs> and uh I had a bit of tapping on it at one point and I had to play a five-string bass to do all that sort of stuff. <coughs> that was a proper grind to stay at that level. I had to practice probably like three hours a week 
like every yeah. single week. I know it doesn't sound like a lot to people that don't play bass, but that's basically 30 minutes every day. Yeah, that's pretty, um, that's pretty intense. It's not quite Steve Vai, who does the 12-hour workout before he goes on stage. But, I think you know. that sort of thing's fine if you love it. If you love it, you've got to love what you're actually doing. You know, that style, mm. if it's that style of music or something like that, I think it can be it can be a bit of a chore if you're actually playing in a band, for instance, and it's not your style, then, yeah, I can imagine that might be, uh, yeah. you know, kind of a... Yeah. a How often do you find yourself sitting down and playing guitar these days? Uh, well, we rehearse once a week on a Wednesday, yeah. and I try and... Yeah, I try and... Because I'm lucky enough to have a soundproof um, shed in the garden, so... I try yeah. to get down there a couple of times a week outside of band practice, but I've always got an acoustic um, in in a few of the few of the rooms in the house. So I've always got like um, specifically, I've got one in the kitchen, which I tend to sit down at the kitchen. Uh, you know, right. on a, if I'm having a having a glass of wine or something like that, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. jam a few things out, sort of, especially if I'm trying to work out stuff. But then I can then go up and plug the electric guitar in and crank it out a bit. Yeah, it's a good idea if you're um, boiling rice. Because that's the most boring thing in the world to watch cook, isn't it? So you could just have <laughs> a bit of a twang on the guitar whilst you're waiting for it to bubble over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There yeah. we go. I might try that. Awesome. So we've got about nine minutes left before we go to the first break. Can you remember what happened after Seizure? Was there a couple of bands after that? Yeah, after Seizure, um, I... We were, we were signed to um, Copper Records and they wanted a second album and there were sort of discussions in the band about which way the music should go and I thought that they, I thought we were becoming a little bit one-dimensional and the other guys kind of didn't. So I kind of bowed, bowed out of the band at that point. They carried on and I started a band with a guy called Andy Reynolds um, and this is where I met Mr Mike Vaughan who's producing our EP at the moment uh, for the new band and um, uh, John Tufnell was in a band called Karmic Jera and he played and he was still in Karmic Jera he came and helped out on bass so we had this band and we were called Powhatan Mill and that was um, and that was kind of and that that was kind of cool because it kind of had the um had the stuff that seizure the fast kind of stuff but it also had slow stuff as well i wanted to experiment more with sort of like faster and slower tempos and uh you know just just trying to sort of mix it up a bit so which is what we did with um uh which is what we do with power and mill so yeah and then uh we did the we did an album and a tour and then uh mike left to join comic jera uh with uh obviously with john and Andy, I can't remember what Andy did. I think he moved away. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a good, that was a good fun time. That was it was it was a real kind of like growth time for me because I was kind of because Andy was a really good writer or is a really good writer. Mm. So instead of me just coming up with all the music and all the lyrics, Andy was coming up with some really really good stuff on guitar and lyric wise as well. And he had a very different lyrical slant to me as well i was kind of like more story kind of orientated and his stuff was a lot mm -hmm. more uh off the wall and um so yeah it was a really good time because it was um different you know uh and it was nice to be sort of working and it was um you know something that was um out of my comfort zone a bit so yeah that's that's yeah. pretty cool pretty cool fun 
it's always nice to collaborate rather than dictate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've never been one for wanting. Yeah, um, never really wanting to sort of push. And in fact, as I've got older, I kind of like the idea now of because um, I was a lot more precious about my stuff when I was younger, mm. especially in Seizure. I think when we were in the out, uh, we were in the studio in in Henley on Thames doing the studio uh, doing the album, and kind of like the producer suggesting stuff and me, you know, the old the old hairs going up on the back of the neck. Um, yeah. Whereas now I kind of definitely uh, just throw it out, you know, just say, oh, right, this is, this is the idea. Um, and there's anybody got any ideas of how to make it better or, or, you know, anything mm-hmm. to add to it, or should we do a harmony here and, and just being, not being so precious about it. Cause um, yeah. you know, as you probably know, being in bands, some people get really, mm-hmm. really wound up about three minutes worth of music. It's quite funny. Yeah. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm not as, I'm not as bad as I used to be and uh, try to be a lot more inclusive. Yeah, I always describe it as like creating pottery. So at the start, you've got a lump of clay and then you add water to it and then you start spinning that thing at the bottom of your foot. It's like a pedal, isn't it? Mm. And people have to have their ideas for the pot to form into a nice usable bit of um, material, I suppose. Because otherwise, you're kind of just... It's like buying a car and MOTing it yourself. If you're just constantly... Um, validating your music and constantly just not asking anyone for any input. It's uh, it gets a bit solo artisty sometimes when you're writing all of the music yourself. Whereas I would rather throw a riff at someone, and they would join the riffs together. Um, and I'm not precious if they want to change the riff that I've given them as well. But that takes time, like you say, at the start of my musical career. I was very, no, we are playing this as the verse. Mm. Um, and sometimes that can be a bit of a shitty attitude to have. <laughs> I think sometimes you can be in bands. You can be in bands where people are quite happy for you to take the reins. And, um, yeah. you know, some people don't write. Some people are really good, great musicians, but they don't particularly write. And that's not their skill. So, you know, they the um the best thing is to actually you know i mean it's it's sort of you know where everybody brings something and everybody's uh, you know and it's all sort of fairly sort of democratic but i've always tried to be fairly democratic i'm not really a confrontational sort of person per se anyway i don't i'm not really uh i don't believe in that sort of led zeppelin thing where they all got a fight and then make up Mm. and then write great music i think that's bullshit personally i i really i'd much rather sort of like um music comes out of a happy place kind of thing it's been the one yeah. most constant my life that you know and it's been a, a joy to me over my life and um and so yeah. i yeah i can only do you know that's that i don't do it out of um anger or uh, yeah. anything like that or, or, or conflict that's kind of seems like kind of a weird concept to me mm. yeah that's a good way of looking at it mm. awesome right we're going to go to a quick break um i've got some questions for you after this uh one is going to be about writer's block um so just have a think about that we're going to go to an advert i'm not sure which one it will be um i always say that it will be like set surf or shanty spirit and then i completely fuck it up so here's an advert and uh i'll send you a new email i'll send you a link in a sec jeff all right cool no worries mate Cheers, guys absolute bedlam wild hair uk wild hair are based in hampshire and they make amazing beard oil and beard balm care products for all of your masculine needs. So we've got 
rose, which is patchouli, bergamot, and sweet orange flavor. So we've got quite a lot going on here. Really nice, smells really good. And you can tell that this was made by a chef. So Chef Ollie Moore has been in the business of catering for 18 years and he's taken his love of the kitchen and he's put it into these products. We've also got Joanna, which is amber, leather, orange and raspberry profile. Smells incredible. Everyone I've sent, you know, samples to and everyone that's experienced this in person has gone bloody hell, that's really nice. It's not just generic stuff from the shops. CPSR certified and it's also known as confidence in a box. So I use this myself. It smells really good. Couldn't be happier with the results. So I've hooked you up. Go to wildhairuk.co.uk and use code BEDLAMUK at checkout for 15% off the products. Absolute Bedlam. Welcome back. <clears throat> All right. So before I ask the next question, I've just realized that today is the 10th of October. So in two days from now, I would have been doing this, believe it or not, Jeff, for two yeah. years of my life, I've dedicated to doing this basically every single Monday. Um, that's that's amazing, mate. Planning to stop until the sun dies as far as my schedule goes. It will either be me that dies or the sun will die first. Let's find out who who dissipates first. But yeah, it's been a hell of a journey. And I'm planning. Have you had, to... good, have you had good feedback from uh, in yeah. general? You know, I mean, it's, it's and your uh, listenership and all that. Yeah, recently it's gone fucking nuts. Um, I'll great. tell you off recording, but it's it's going really well. I'm nearly up to six and a half thousand listens on Spotify now, which proves that this is actually getting quite a lot of traction. Oh, that's um, amazing! I'm really yeah, it's going really well. Thank you. Um, I'm planning to get a couple of people back on for ten minutes each next week as part of a sort of two-year anniversary special episode. Um, so, yeah, it's been a hell of a ride. And the fact that I've somehow managed to get people like Wheatus, MC Lars, Billy Sheehan. Uh, yeah, Ryan, Billy Sheehan, man. Amazing. Ex-Devon Townsend drummer, and now I'm on a lift drummer. Um, the fact oh, that sorry, who was that? Uh, Ryan Van Putin. Oh, right, cool. Um, so the fact that I've a majority of those people I've just messaged on Facebook. So yeah. if you are interested in starting a podcast, people just fucking go for it and just shoot your shot. That's all I can really say. Um, yeah. But yeah, Let's see what happens. See what comes out the other side. But yeah, all right. Anyway, back to the episode. Mm. Uh, Jeff, have you ever encountered writer's block as a guitarist? Um. Yes, but not for not for long. I well, mm. I tend to get inspired by things. So, um, mm. the guys in a band always used to call me the tap of riffs because it'd be <laughs> like, oh, we we need to write a song. Turn the tap on, Jeff. So, and it would be okay. I just like say, oh, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, got this riff, you know. Like, oh, you know, oh no, I don't like that, and like, and then they do do the nine times out of ten, there would be something that they they'd want. Um, and lyric, because the thing is, I write differently with when I write um, acoustic songs. Um, I tend to write a melody and then I write the lyrics as I go along. But with metal and heavy rock, I've always had lyric books and 
I would basically come up with riffs and then I would go through the lyric books and find something that would fit. So you'd have a strong lyric to go with a strong bit of music. I'd never, I'd never written, I'd never ever written heavy rock or heavy metal music uh, and writing lyrics as I'm writing the riffs, never ever. Um, but um, with acoustic stuff, it's a completely different approach. So, um, so yeah, I don't tend to have rights block in so far as I kind of like to, I kind of do batch cooking with lyrics and then, um, mm. so, <laughs> so I've always got loads of lyrics kicking about and then, um, and then I just kind of like get up in the shed and, crank the guitar out um it's amazing how much in it's amazing for me how much more enthusiastic and and creative i am when i've got it blasting through a martial amp than mm. playing playing on an acoustic or a little practice amp i think it just sort of like you get that power behind you and it just makes you feel makes me feel you know it's just that amazing feeling you know of having that power and uh and then it just sort of stuff just comes and i just just hit record and just record riffs and as i said i kind of like bolt everything together afterwards yeah yeah there's something to be said about sort of playing in a sort of live setting rather than just twanging on the acoustic at home to actually go to a place like your shed and that's kind of a dedicated workspace from what you've described yeah i think it's just guys come around no yeah because yabs is uh yabs in seizure played uh guitar and a bit of lead guitar as well yabs is a very good lead guitarist as well uh yeah. and did lead vocals but now yabs um has switched across to drums he's a he's a very good multi-instrumentalist yeah and so now in the new band he's playing drums so he comes around and we we jam you know and and uh and matt the new guy on bass uh it's yeah it's really good speaking of multi-instrumentalists this is going to come off as very salty do they piss you off a bit? Because they kind of get my goat sometimes that they can just pick up guitar <laughs> and pick up bass and they're already better than me. And I'm just like, who the f- I, I, I find <laughs> multi-instrumentalists have got like real beginner equipment. And yeah. They, well, they, also make it, they also make better. it sound amazing as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how the fuck have you got that tone out of that guitar? And Yeah. yeah. Do, do yeah. they... Um, follow a similar trend for you do they annoy you yeah or do I, they make I often them? say to people oh, it's yabs yabs is uh you know multi-instrumentalist you just want to stand on his hands you mm. know he, he's one of those people is um you can get a tune out of anything really he's he's a mm. really really he doesn't he doesn't write so much um he um he writes when he does write he writes good stuff but he doesn't write uh lots but he is um a really really good uh he's got a really good ear for um for sounds and stuff and um he's really good with vocal harmonies um drumming he knows exactly what he wants um yeah. i mean i'll tell you what that this is I already know this but um when let's see i think it was after i did um jake uh, no sorry after i did um powhatan mill i did a project uh called uh, jacob's gutter and yeah. it was basically I said to Yabs, I want to do, I want to do a, hang- um, but I'm not sure who, who's going to be in it, but we can do it between the us. And he said, well, uh, "What do you need?" I said, "Well, I'm going to need a drummer." He said, "Well, I'll have a go at drumming." So, and I went, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, just I'll, I'll borrow some drums." He said, "What? Well, um, just give me a couple of CDs of um, of um uh, of what you want so i basically i think i gave him a couple of will haven cds and some um iron monkey and some other stuff and literally i think it was like a fortnight larry phoned me up and went yep done 
let's get to practicing. And, uh, <laughs> and seriously, mate, it was really, really good. So we did yeah. this album called um, uh, Jacob's Gutter and uh, needed the bass player. So I phoned Lee up and said, oh, look, do you want to come and play the bass on it? Um, I'm doing the vocals. So doing these sort of growly, it was proper growly vocals. And um, so it was yeah. across, the, you know, that sort of um, Iron Monkey kind of, but also mixed with that sort of, uh, that kind of, I wouldn't say new metal sound, you know what I mean? But that kind of um, yeah. stu- stuttering, sort of hardcore kind of thing, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. we went in the studio and recorded this thing in about three days. And it's probably one of the best things I've ever did. It was just so much fun. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. It just, it just makes me laugh. You give them a mandolin, yeah. they'll suddenly start playing REM kind of thing, you know. It's it's just, yeah. yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I can hate them. <laughs> it's good to but it's always good to know one if they're on your side yeah i've always had to be very determined to be able to get any noise out of any instrument i've played i'm not very talented naturally so i just tend to grind and knock these doors down i've been described especially when doing this for two years now i've been described as incredibly tenacious um especially by my sponsors who I'll message them saying, you know, have you got any deals coming up in September? I can mention it in the ad reads mm. and three days will pass. So they'll read my message on Instagram or whatever. And I'll just send them a message saying, I'm really looking forward to hearing back from you. Mm. And that seems to elicit quite a response because um, people just read messages nowadays and forget to reply. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, that's yeah. good. I think you need to do that. You need to have that sort of, it's, just like, it's kind of like, I think what people used to say is like the American approach is not being afraid to um to ask for what you want rather Absolutely. than sort of like step you know pussyfooting around you you have to be a lot more direct these days and i mean i mean there's a lot more because of the because of the um internet you know that there's so much out there so much choice you really do have to sort of fight for it so you know good for you mate yeah yeah absolutely um i was gonna say something about um music i've completely forgotten where i was gonna go with that what um guitar do you play currently uh if anybody everybody knows me out there uh know that i am uh i have an addiction and bars mm-hmm. so i do have a few yeah. <laughs> one or two um i've um I've, i'm trying to thin out the herd at the moment but yeah i've got i've got quite a lot i, I tend to do mm-hmm. i tend to have twos of everything because i go through phases so at the moment i'm playing les pauls um okay. so i've got a couple of les pauls um but when uh, the band that I was doing just recently, which was like Irish punk rock mm-hmm. folk, um, I was playing Telecasters for that. So I've got a few Telecasters. Um, SGs, I used SGs when I was in um, uh, Seizure. Uh, when we did Dukes of Agaris, I was playing Explorers. I love playing Explorers. Uh, really good. I had a Hamer Explorer and a Gibson Explorer. Um, yeah. And... Um, Les Pauls just seem to be really good for this. I've kind of moved away a little bit from the sort of like floating tremolo thing, um, mm. just because I just don't need them. So um, yeah, so I'm, mm. so I'm back playing basic stuff. I, I bought a really nice old seventies Yamaha SG the other day um, from a guy down in Ringwood, and that was awesome. And it's so loud; it's it's louder than the Gibson, and it's yeah, stock, yeah. and it's stock pickups. And it's and seriously, this guitar I think it's like seventy. 75 76 1976 it's ancient yeah. but it's been really well looked after but the pickups god knows what they are it's mm. absolutely seismic i had to turn the amp down yeah yeah so 
but yeah, but really simple sounding guitars. So yeah, that's me at the moment. Yeah. So do you suffer with something called GAS, which is gas, which is guitar yeah. acquisition syndrome? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. at one point I had about thirty-four guitars. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Yeah, I think I'm down to about twenty. Fucking hell, man! 20 That's a whole room of guitars. Literally, a lot of flight cases, uh, a lot, and a lot of gig bags. But I've been very, very clear. I, like, like any, um, like any addict, you learn to squirrel them away in different places. <laughs> like, Hide them under the pillows. It is. Yeah, it's like you know, like empty bottles all over the place. Or yeah, yeah. You know, fucking hell, man. You know, walking into the house, you've actually taken the guitar apart, so you've got it in a bag. <laughs> so I've just bought some parts. And then you yeah, yeah. shed and put it back together again. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm probably not quite that bad, but um, but yeah, yeah. I just give myself, I've just given myself a really good idea to get another yeah. one in the house. So I've got an idea. You should pull a Les Paul out of your coffee table. It's just like yeah. perfectly set in the coffee table, like hidden in plain sight. It's funny you should say that actually, because I do woodwork on the side. One of the yeah, one yeah. of the things I was going to do was actually putting it, going to put a guitar on a table. I think it'd be Love really it. good, especially for, for rock clubs and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that may happen, and I'll send you pictures if it does. Yeah, yeah. Then I can get sponsored by Hard Rock Cafe, and we can use code Bedlam UK at checkout. Oh, there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go. do it. We've got a new business. New business. There we already. go. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'll only take twenty percent. <laughs> Fantastic. Who's um, your influences, Ben? Who's my influences? Yeah, who's your musical influence um, playing guitar and bass or whatever? So when I first started playing music, it was through Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Then it went to Limbiscuit quite aggressively. Um, then it went a bit Nirvana-y, sort of Nevermind in Utero. Right. Um, then Motorhead. Cool. To the point where I had every single Motorhead song on my iPod Touch. Uh, which I think at the time of that was about 631 songs. And that was inspired through Tony Hawk's, I think it was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, which had right, Ace okay. of Spades on as a soundtrack. Right. Um, then it went to quite progressive music, like In Me, Devon Townsend, Russian Circles, Oh, um, Russian circles. I'll check them out. Oh, they're insane. They're they're a fantastic three piece instrumental, very dark, moody, atmospheric rock slash metal. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I listen to so much music at the moment. It's it's hard to pin it down to a specific thing. But the first ever band I saw was at Majeski Stadium in Reading, and it was a Red Hot Chili Peppers. So they oh, wow. were the first band that I saw, which I was quite happy about. Um, I think the second band I saw after that was Bring Me the Horizon at the Nexus Bar in Southampton. And if you've ever heard of them back in the day, they were heavy. Yeah, yeah. Their first and second album were very different to what comes out nowadays. It's still good. Yeah, I remember the early um, stuff. My my stepson at the time was into them. And um, um, I think he was into In Me as well, come to think of it. He was in a band called Not Advised. Yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. Pop, sort of pop punk type band. So they ended up playing with quite a lot of bands. That's sort of, you know, yeah, yeah. I think I put them on at the Weymouth Pavilion. Yes, with um, Mallory Knotts. Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. I think they played with John yeah, well. Broco, and and yeah. they, uh, I think they went out to um, Thailand and played out there for 
in fact that was with the chili peppers they did two two Thailand with the chili peppers that's Bastards. when they changed their name so yeah fantastic but, yeah i mean he was he was one of my success stories teaching people to play guitar he was he turned out to be a really 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 good guitarist and he ended mm. up doing far he ended up doing far better far bigger gigs than i ever did so yeah. i'm very you know i'm really chuffed for him he did, he did really well i've got to give lincoln park a shout out as well because they really helped me like understand like songwriting and lyrics and obviously Chester tragically passing away and realizing that quite a lot of the songs that he wrote were quite on the nose in terms of I'm quite sad and like run away and breaking the habit. And, you know, now that I listen to it, I'm like, Oh fuck, why didn't anyone stage an intervention earlier? <laughs> but, very difficult. You know, it's very difficult, isn't it? It's like you know, because obviously the Chris Cornell thing was just before yeah, that yeah. as well. But isn't today National um, Mental Health Day? Health and yeah, National Mental Health Awareness Day, or something yeah, like that. Is. If that's the right terminology, mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I don't think I think guys need to talk about it more. We don't, and and yeah. I'm probably it's bigger culprit as well. Mm-hmm. I, find, I don't know. It's an age thing, but definitely you get older, you kind of things tend to sort of I don't know they just kind of fester yeah. and linger and uh, yeah. you can spend an awful lot of time in your own head and I think it's a bad thing I think you need to talk more or try and sort of like yeah. you know I think the worst thing you can do if you're a little bit even a little bit introspective you spend time inside your own head without um, you know getting um, getting out and uh, and mixing with other people can be really quite sort of detrimental so, yeah so anybody listening, if you've got problems, just talk to a friend about it. Find someone you can talk to about it. There's actually a video. I'll send you a link to this in a bit, Jeff. Um, there's a video on YouTube that I watch now and then about procrastination. Yeah. And essentially, the end of the TED Talk um, is one of those videos. Um, it's actually a really good one, though, to be fair. I recommend everyone goes and listens to the TED Talk about procrastination. Essentially, what he does at the end is he gets, like, this slideshow up. And it's like, you know, in prison where people put, like, you know, one, two, three, four on the wall of the prison. And then they'll strike through it, and that'll be the fifth day that they've been in prison. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, this guy puts up all of the weeks in an average human lifetime. Yeah. And there's not that many fucking weeks in a human lifetime. So I, yeah. I think really what I'm trying to say is always look backwards, but keep moving forwards. You're allowed to have an introspective existential crisis now and then, but the only way really is forward. So, um, you know, if there are people out there wasting your energy, wasting your time, and just genuine, you know, people nowadays are so heavy. People were walking around like I've been walking around town today, and you can see people are like one thing away from having a full-on mental breakdown in public, and it's quite sad, really. I think it's so, just—I uh, think it's the yeah. life, it's the age that we live in. Everything's we're in this like fast food generation now, where everything's now, yeah. and everything's you know, it's got to be now, and yeah. and there's too much pressure and. People are afraid to make mistakes, and that's another thing that I try and sort of tell people is that don't be afraid to make mistakes. You learn more from mistakes than you do wins, and you can't always win. And you just got to embrace it and move yeah. on, rather than and myself included. You know, regrets. Yeah. You know, I mean, like regrets are it's completely wasted emotion. It's something that you can't change. It's how it's already happened. 
but a lot of mm. people waste a lot of regrets. Um, yeah, as I said, you, you know, you just need to, like you said, just moving on and um, yeah. and and sort of striking striking out and setting new goals and just saying, well, look, you know, I cocked it up. Doesn't matter, you know. Um, yeah. Not too much damage. Hopefully, let's let's try again, you know, and just keep trying. Yeah. And, uh, and not being afraid, not being afraid to, but also looking at it and going, right, what did I do wrong? How can I make it better? Yeah, you know, learning from mistakes as well, which is mm. obviously which keeps us away from the sort of Darwin, uh, Darwin thing, you know, yeah. being bottom of the gene pool. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that was a nice little segue, actually. Yeah, reach out if you need any help, guys. Um, I'm always a message away, especially on Instagram. If you want to drop me a message, I'm not a psychologist, but I'll always have a, I'll have a look and I'll <laughs> yeah. see if I can. Look I'm not doctors. No, this is not financial advice um <laughs> but yeah what what about you what are your influences let's go back to that uh when i first started out it was um adrian smith from iron maiden um and um the guys from um heavy petting uh yes. 80 spans you still there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. I thought, I thought I'd lost you there for a second. No. Um, yeah, early 80s bands. Um, and it was also about guitars as well, because, I mean, Adrian Smith played this Ibanez yeah. Destroyer, which was like a, an Explorer-shaped guitar, red red one. Yeah. And the guys from um, Heavy Pet, and they played really cool. Uh, I think they one of them, Hamer guitars, which were amazing electric guitars from the States. Um, so, and, you know, the, and it was all about the sort of like, the sort of look as well and um you know and, and the aggression the way they played and all that sort of stuff so uh so yeah i would say that basically um yeah iron maiden heavy petting definitely motorhead definitely definitely mm-hmm. one of the big influences of based in Bournemouth, UK. Dorset Botanical Seaweed Vodka. So I met these at Bournemouth Air Show two years ago and I wanted to get them on the podcast, which I've done in the previous episode. And I wanted to speak to them and promote their products because I think they're onto a winner. So this is vacuum distilled for fresher flavors. Lots and lots of different seaweeds go into this amazing vodka doesn't taste like the usual stuff that you get from the supermarkets it's got a bit of a sort of story to it and a bit more of a twist it's had some awards and i'm hooking you guys up if you go to www.shantyspirit.com and you type in the code bedlam discount for either 20 cl or 70 cl bottles then you'll get 10 percent off your purchase shanty spirit drink to enjoy Drink responsibly. Absolute bedlam. How about was I? So you said one of your main influences, and then you dropped off the face of the earth. Oh, sorry, uh, Tony Iommi from uh, Black Sabbath. Oh yes, what a shout! Because um, as I was, um, was saying, you know, back in back in the eighties, uh, you know, you had the re- yeah you know, the Friday Rock Show, and you had Kerrang magazine, pretty much. Uh, so you didn't really you didn't know a massive amounts about these people. You know, they were sort of it was uh, pre-internet so that you didn't know the ins and outs of the cat's ass you didn't know everything about them yeah. so it was um so you kind of had these guys you know um and you had their music 
basically in the lyrics and the album yeah. covers and stuff. And what I really yeah. loved about Tony Amy was his um it's just the heaviness and the dark the darkness in it as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, and which is why I've always been a big fan of Doom, uh Doom music. Um mm. per se, you know, bands like Candlemass and Cathedral and um Saint Vitus, Down, all those bands, all that stuff yeah. is great. Um I can't you know, it's one of my favourite sort of uh so one of my favourite genres of metal, if you like, but, you know, I've been yeah. a massive fan of all things to do with rock and metal. Mm. Down is a good shout. I haven't listened to them in fucking ages. Yeah, great band. Really, yeah, really good. Good. I saw them at Download 2009, and um, I was wow. quite surprised that they were using orange amplifiers, but I then found out that it was quite a common thing, and uh, Crowbar might use orange as well, or Orange Goblin. But obviously, that's on point, isn't it? But yeah, lots of bands using them. Very still now. <laughs> That's all right. No worries. Yeah, I think we're talking about orange amps. Um, talking about Tony Iommi and Down. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big influences. Nice. Yeah, I think I saw um Down at two thousand nine download. Sorry if people have already heard heard me say that, but. We're having a bit of problems here at ABP, but um, it's all good. Um, what was I going to say? What's your thoughts on the Pantera reunion gig? I think uh, so long as it's spilled as a tribute to, I think yeah. it's fine. I think yeah, it's I fine. Agree. We can't call it, really call it Pantera. It's weird, yeah. isn't it? Because, you know, you've got the Queen... You got Queen and Adam Lambert, and that's you know really cool uh, because obviously they got problems with John Deacon not wanting them to gig, and they're saying, "Look, it's our songs. Why can't we play our own songs?" You know, yeah. So, which is fair dues, and I get that with um, I get that with Pantera as well. It's kind of weird because obviously the two main sort of driving influences are not not there now. Yeah. So um, it's kind of it is kind of odd, isn't it? But yeah, I was kind of against it, but I think. Charlie Bernanke is a really, really good drummer, and he was really good, good friends with uh, Dimebag. And for whatever, um, whatever. Awesome! Right, I'm going to wrap this up. I've got some quick fire questions for you. Go on then. Say the first thing that comes into your head. Right. Right. So, mornings or evenings? Evenings. What were the other questions that I've got written down? Two seconds. Evenings, nice. I've got to get these in the right order. So it throws the whole thing out. <laughs> um, so I've already fucked that up. Can I tell you about my? Can I tell you about my new band? Yeah, yeah, of course. We'll get to that in a sec. Oh, okay, all right, carry on. If uh, Anchor will allow us, obviously. Yeah. Um, Kinder Egg. Is it a toy? Or is it a deliciously chocolate treat with a bonus toy inside of it? Uh, it is neither. It is the work of Satan and should be avoided at all costs. <laughs> nice. Baby belt or cheese string? Uh, neither, because both of them are made from PVA glue and really you get more flavour tuned on a bit of soap. There we go. Controversial. I like it. Would you rather camp in a tent or a static caravan? I would rather camp in a mobile home, which is basically a caravan on wheels, which I've got 
luckily, very very uh, fortunate to have. Still there? Hello? Hello? Is that any better? Yeah, I can hear you now. All good. Cool. Um, living in a city or living in the countryside? Countryside, 98%. Nice. That's good. Uh, chocolate or sweets? Oh, chocolate, I think. Bath or shower? Shower, although I've been doing some quite heavy labour the last couple of weeks and I've been... A bath would have been quite nice, but I don't think I would have got out again. I think I yeah. would have drowned just drowned while falling asleep in it. <laughs> Mint choc chip or chocolate orange? Chocolate orange any day. And in fact, Christmas time, dark chocolate yeah. orange. Woohoo! There we go. I'll be sure to send you one if you uh, send me your address. I'll send you one over. Cool. I'll send you a guitar. I'll send you a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking trade, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. Seriously, uh, seriously, I do like dark chocolate. Dark chocolate orange. There we go. <laughs> That's it. The way to man's heart. Yeah. Favorite animal. Favorite animal. Oh, good question. Manatee. How about that? Manatees. Sea cow. Do you know what they are? Hello. Hello. Is that better? Hello. Yeah, we're back again. Did you hear me? Anchor. Yeah, yeah, I heard you. You asked what a manatee was. Yeah, a manatee was sea cow. They, they're in um, Florida. They're kind of weird-looking things. They're very graceful. Yeah. Yeah, do they look a bit like narwhals? Yes, very yeah. similar. Yeah. Very good. Favourite animal noise? Oh, my God. Favourite animal noise? Uh, noise. Let's be, let's be a hippie and say whale song. Nice, nice. If you want to uh, go to a spa day, that's the that's the noise for you. Imagine <laughs> going to a spa day. The only noise you'd hear is me running, screaming from the place. Yeah. Minor inconveniences. Anything that's currently pissing you off in your life that you want to get off your chest. Uh, mm, not really. Not, no, nothing that I can really sort of say. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. There was one earlier. I can't remember what it was now. Um, I think it's just the rate that Audi throw your shopping at you. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. That's a good one. We did a, we went... a bit of a bargain, but fuck me, if it's getting launched at my face at 97 miles an hour, then yeah. I'll go to Asda. <laughs> yeah, anyway, carry on, sorry. Yeah, and I think you're probably right. Actually, general rudeness sometimes in shops. That's, uh, uh, yeah, that's one of them. I think. Yeah. I remember. Go- I remember going to see. Uh, we went to see a French comedian the other night called, um, oh, somebody Lacan, and he was sort of saying any questions of me about France because he's been talking about England, mm-hmm. and I was I really I had to really really hold and stop myself from saying why the fuck is it when you're in France. They just close the shops and the garages whenever they feel like it in no other country in the world. Yeah. You'd just, you'd just be like driving along and you're trying to get fuel and it's like, oh no, we decided we we're going to close today. It can be bothered. Yeah. All right. I didn't know. I've never noticed that. All right. Well, yeah. Look out. I've got like a friend a... in France at the moment. I think he said about four, yeah. 
four or five extra days in a campsite because they decided to go on strike. But the thing is, oh, with okay. French strike, there's no, they don't set dates for it. We're going to have a strike on Monday, and it's going to last till for, till Wednesday. They basically said we're on strike, and and that's it. Basically, you just have to sort of like just keep listening out <laughs> to find out whether you can go and get some more fuel and get going again. Yeah, so, yeah, that sounds like anxiety personified, doesn't it? They do, they do do belligerent to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah. You've got to, you've got to admit, if you, if you want grumpiness, you you know you can't beat the French. To be honest, not trying to alienate my Spanish audience on this, but that sounds like a very Spanish thing to do, of just <laughs> not opening the shop past three p.m. because you're going for a siesta. Oh uh, yeah, but that's fine because siesta is a recognised thing that people know about. We, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm probably doing a bit of a generalisation. So I apologise anybody that's yeah, listening. That's anybody is listening in France, but you tend to sort of like, you know, you, like it'd be a Saturday afternoon. You go down to the local supermarket, and they are closed. They might be back in a couple of hours. We're not sure. Yeah. And you're like, oh great, okay. You know, it's just no. There's no sign. It's just what yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, they can't be. You know, it's... <laughs> but that yeah, you know, yeah. not, not, that doesn't really bother me that much. It was just one thing that struck me. I went, oh yeah. Actually, taking the piss yeah. out of the English. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Love that. Um, meal deal of choice, and then we'll get into the new band. Meal deal of choice. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, um, uh, unfortunately, the um, Satan's Disciples, Tesco's, and probably go for the uh, sausage, bacon, egg, triple, uh, and a bag of cheese mccoy's i think and something chocolatey drink drink uh yeah probably just a bottle of water oh okay still or sparkling oh still definitely that's the correct answer thank you very much yes. for that <laughs> well, i'd have to end this call on purpose <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell um yeah nice nice choice i like that it's pretty good do you ever feel with a triple sandwich that someone else somewhere has the other sandwich part to you? No, but now that you've, that's going to be one of those things, mm. isn't it? You think, oh God, what's going on there now? Yeah, that's that's a, that'll keep me awake for weeks. Thanks for that. That's right, no worries. <laughs> that's like that Billy Connolly joke, isn't it? The Billy yeah, Connolly yeah. joke, he says, well, but how does a man who drives a snowplow get to work in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> keep me awake for days. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Fantastic. Right, so the reason we're here, the reason yes. we're doing all this small talk, is you've got a new band out, Jeff. So what's the band called? What does it sound like roughly? And what's next? Right, well, the new band is called The, the Graveyard Bookies. And um, we are called The Graveyard Bookies because years and years ago, um, there used to be insurance ladies that used to come around the house from house to house he lived on a council estate like we did and they would sell insurance. And so, um, uh, my mate's dad, um, his mum was a, uh, one of these insurance ladies and, um, it was obviously life insurance. So he used to call her a graveyard bookie. And, you know, yeah. as you probably know, Ben, trying to find a new name for a band these days is an absolute nightmare because everything's been used. Yeah. So, uh, I, as soon as I heard it, I thought that's a great name for a band. So, yeah. Um, and as uh, Thudpuckers was coming to an end, I wanted to do another heavy rock, heavy metal band, have a proper go um, yeah. for the first time in years. 
And so I decided, well, we spoke to Yabs about it, about what we were going to do. We we're going to do a thrash band because we used to love our thrash. And and, I, and we kind of like, well, do you know what? Let's just do what we did when we were really young. You know, like what, you know, the um, back when it was, uh, when life was easier and it was, it was sort of, um, Mm. a lot more carefree so back in the early yeah. middle 80s you know they were great back you know Ozzy Osbourne was doing Bark at the Moon you had YNT mm-hmm. you had you had Heavy Pain you had Dio you had Maiden you had all these great bands and everybody and all of these bands you could like all of these bands there were no sub-genres yeah and nobody and it was it was all inclusive everybody mm-hmm. loved everything we all listened to the Friday Rock Show we all taped the Friday Rock Show this Pre, yeah, pre yeah. CDs, so we would tape the Friday Rock Show and play it back and listen to it all week long, you know. And we got into everything. I got into everything from say UFO to say like Metal Church, which were you know one of the sort of uh, one of the early early fledgling um, thrash bands kind of thing, you know, and early Metallica and all that sort of stuff, right the way yeah. through to um, other stuff, you know, like through to proggy rock. So mm. it was, um, yeah, that's that's so we decided we were going to just do a real fun band you know because obviously having stressful work as well you think it'd be great to just bash the hell out of um this stuff and yeah. come up with some really sort of catchy so it is basically old school old school middle of the roads heavy metal when i say middle of the road as in you know it's not thrash it's it's just you know old school metal and it's just really good fun no growling big choruses big fat riffs mm-hmm. and everything and mm-hmm. just you know a side order of cheese so right. hopefully it'll uh hope people will like it so we're doing an ep at the moment yeah um could be four tracks could be five tracks but just um finishing that off at the moment and then there's going to be uh we're doing a couple of promo videos for it and um then we're going to have proper uh proper pr and proper management for once and get it um you know and nice. get ourselves out there so hopefully get on some get on some decent sized festivals next year fingers crossed yeah yeah awesome so, yeah so as oh. soon as i obviously as soon as we've got it recorded i'll send it out to you and you can have yeah, a listen yeah. and and yeah, so some, if you want to do some to, giveaways, quite happy to do some, yeah, yeah. you know, I'll send you some stuff, a t shirt, and yeah, see yeah, if you like. I used to do a band of the month, but it just got too mental. Um, but I'm looking at bringing that back next year so um, cool. I can do like a pre recorded ad read saying, Check out Graveyard Bookies in February, they're about to do this, they're about to do that. So if you uh, remind me, because I, yeah. I do these things on this podcast, Jeff, called P- Podcast Promises. Right, and it's a very common thing where you say on a recording, "I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to send you a link to a YouTube video." Mm. And as soon as this fucking recording ends, I completely forget that anything uh, I just said exists. Moment. Yeah, definitely. So, I've got a lot going on, but I'm always going to make time. For it's the again. first sign of first sign of old age. You can remember what you did when you were five years old, but you can't remember what you did five oh, yeah. minutes ago. Yeah, I could tell you my last three fucking mobile numbers and last five registration plates of my cars, but <laughs> I can't tell you what I ate for dinner. <laughs> but yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you and actually having a conversation with you. Um, yes, mate. It's been a long time, hasn't it? So Yeah, it has been a long time. Have you got any gigs booked um, for a couple of months? I'll, I'll have no. to try and make a conscious We're- effort to come and see you. Well, what we, as I said, we're going to do the EP. We're actually going to do it properly now, rather than rushing out and doing, doing some sports. Yeah. We're going to do the EP. Then we've got to do the. We're going to do, um, we're going to sort of sort out the promo video, which I'm going to help um, do the sets for that. So we're doing the promo video. 
then we're going to have an album launch um, locally, and then um, uh, you know, obviously the media media launch and all that sort of stuff. So as soon as we're on the radio and in the magazines, fingers crossed, in the rock magazines and rock radio, and and then obviously um, all the uh, internet uh, radio stations and stuff like that. So as soon as that's all up and running, then we'll uh, we'll start booking gigs. So, but we're already writing towards the the first yeah. proper album already. So we'll by the time that happens, we we'll have enough um, material to actually go out and do a forty five minute set, probably. So fantastic. Fingers crossed. Love that. Sounds like you're having a proper go at it, rather than just sort of learning as you go and building as you fall. Yeah, well, and, um, we just you know, yeah. I think we, we've all been doing it a long time now, you know, and it's just sort of be you know really good yeah. fun. And the main thing is the main thing has got to be now is fun rather more than yeah. anything else is you've got to because as you know as a musician you get bugger all money for it these days and you just you do, yeah. do it for the love of it um and it's just yeah. you know it's what keeps you young so that's that's why we're doing it and um yeah we're probably never going to stop because it's just you know we, we just love what we do and and yeah. uh, and obviously just want to carry on just loving what we're doing and with a with a little amount of hassle as possible so funnily enough billy sheehan one of his favorite quotes. I don't think he said it in the episode that we did, but I hear it a lot from him in a lot of magazine excerpts. It's I live to play live and I play live to live. Mm. And uh, yeah. I quite like that. I think that's quite good. Yeah. So shout definitely. out to Billy. And shout out to Jeff. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> cheers for listening, watching, viewing, and subscribing. This will just be an audio only episode, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, sorry in advance for all of the technical difficulties in this one, but there's not a lot I can do if Anchor decides to fuck up. So uh, enjoy, and uh, please tell your friends about this podcast. We're pretty, pretty up there with the listens and the uh, retention at the moment. So let's keep going with it. Was that a water yeah. retention? Water retention, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Another old age thing. <laughs> <laughs> Going to make me need a toilet. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> right. Cheers, Jeff. I'll speak yeah, to you cool, soon. Man. Yeah, take care of yourself. Talk to you soon. Take care. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Absolute bedlam. See, brushing up on your fitness and joining a community of fitness people that want to help you with your physical and your mental health, community full of fighters, then join Optimus U. If you go to www.optimusu.co.uk, you read about their story and how it came to be. They are proud to be 100% sustainable. And one of the most important things for me personally when I went on a bit of a fitness adventure last year was when I'm jogging two to three times a week, the clothing that I wear has to be comfortable and it has to make me feel confident when I'm out and about. So if you're training for that half marathon or you just want to get a bit more active and be a bit more conscious of what you eat, Optimus U has your back. So prime yourself for fitness with Optimus U. Code Bedlam10 at checkout will get you 10% off your order. Absolute Bedlam.